Creative Coaching Podcast, where we bring together coaches, athletes, former athletes, leaders, and influencers. Everyone has a story, and my hope is that when you listen to their stories, you will be inspired and live your life to tell your story one day. Today's guest is Brandon Chambers. Coach Chambers is an assistant coach at Texas Southern University. We talked to him today about leading from the front, being built from failures, and how actions truly speak louder than words. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Coach Chambers, uh, very excited to have you on. I know you just kind of got done uh, with a practice or a workout. There at Texas Southern with Coach John Jones, Johnny Jones. Uh, great, great program, program on the rise. Uh, kind of want to talk about your perspective because you've been at some great programs and you've been a part of some really, really successful programs uh, and, and have been a part of a lot of winning programs. And that's, that's really important uh, for a coach to experience that. Uh, at some point in their career, but you've seen it a lot in your career, so that's great. So here again, we'll go down the line of that as well. But as always, we want to start off with our first question, that being how were you introduced to the game of basketball coming out of Virginia? Yeah, well, I appreciate it, Mike. Yeah, and when you talk about you know all the successful programs that I've been a part of, I guess the, the, the common denominator is not really me. It's also that we had good players. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that. But, uh, you know, I was first intru- introduced to the game at, a, at an early age. And, um, you know, my dad was military, so we moved around quite a bit. But when I kind of picked it up was, you know, I was living in Fairfax, Virginia. And uh, really what happened was my buddies and I, would, we would go to, you know, after school, we'd just go to the park and play. And that kind of turned into grabbing some other friends and going to other neighborhoods and playing against them. And, you know, that really just kind of de- developed into, you know, every day after school, Monday through Friday, we were playing from two o'clock in the afternoon till nine at night. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you learned a lot on the court, you know, you learned about competitiveness and you learned about, you know, your passion for the game. And it was kind of one of those situations where you, you lose a game and you're sitting on the side of the court for 30, 45 minutes. And so, you know, if, if, if you played on the court, you really didn't want to lose yeah. and, you know, your, your competitive drive kicks in and, you know, fouls get a little tougher. Uh, and, uh, Come you know, crunch time. It, yeah. Come crunch, crunch absolutely. time. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. so that's kind of where I was introduced, uh, probably around elementary school or middle school. Gotcha. You. Gotcha. You. So coach, what was your experience in playing the game? Oh man. Well, you know, I, I just told you about playing and, and growing up with my buddies and, you know, I was fortunate that, like I said, my dad was in the military. So we moved from Northern Virginia down to South Carolina and actually played uh, JV basketball uh, for a guy named Coleman Bates uh, in my 10th grade year. And then he actually got the job uh, as a varsity coach at Spring Valley High School uh, during my junior year. So I played for him and then uh, unfortunately, my dad served 27 years in the military, but he was diagnosed with ALS, which is uh, 
uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. Yeah. And so he was medically retired from the military. Uh, so we, we actually moved back to Northern Virginia. And when I moved back, I, I, I played for a guy named Mike Flugrath. And uh, he's now the, he, he's gotten into the administrative side of things. And he's now the principal at Osborne High School. And uh, so I moved back and, you know, it's it, my experience as a player, I guess a long-winded answer is I, I learned so much about life from the game, uh, about discipline, like I said earlier, about competitiveness, yeah. uh, about every day getting 1% better, every day doing the right things, Yeah. Um, you know, because it's one of those things where, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, when I, when my dad got sick and we decided to move back, one of the first things that I did was I called Coach Flugraff and you know, one of the things that I wanted to improve on was being a better shooter. And he was great. He said, hey, look, here's the deal. As soon as you get here, you can get in the gym. I'll be here as early as you want to be. And, you know, my goal was to try to be the best shooter in the state of Virginia. Wow. And so, you know, every day I got up at 5, 530. Uh, I took care of my dad for a little bit. Uh, did whatever I had to do at this point. He was immobile. Yeah. Uh, got to the gym at five forty-five, six. Shot for an hour. School started at seven, and got out of school at two. Took care of my dad while the freshman and JV team practiced. Went back to school. Uh, went to practice. Shot for a little bit after, and uh, you know, just so you know, like like I said, as as a player, it kind of teaches you about life and teaches you about you know the little things, and and discipline was so critical for me. Yeah. Uh, at that age and, you know, for coach Flugraff to, to take the opportunity to do that and, and always be there whenever I wanted him to Monday through basically Monday through Friday or even Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, it really taught me a lot about, uh, discipline and, and work ethic. And I never got to be the best shooter in the state of Virginia, but I did drastically increase my ability to shoot the ball. Wow. Yeah, no, man, you, you, you uh, you make those, you set those goals, and if you never reach it, you improved, and that's really the, absolutely that's kind of the whole deal when we coach young people. And uh, I'm just, re- you know, I'm really taken by what you what you talked about with you know taking care of your dad. And man, you have to grow up pretty fast at that age when you're having to do those type of things. So your maturity level is probably a little bit more advanced in a sense, I mean, you still probably do the things that young people do, but you have more responsibility. Like you talked about discipline. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and I'll just touch on that a little bit. I mean, I would like to think that at that age, I was a little bit more mature than my peers, but unfortunately I think that, you know, I, I, at 17 years old, I just think that your perception and your lens of the world is so small yeah. and uh, so different than what it is now. Uh, or even a year or two later. And for me, you know, I, with the disease like that and with what I had to go through as a kid, it, it was tough. And to be quite honest, that's one of the reasons why I coach today is I, you know, I had to go through some difficult times and I had some people around me and some, some mentors and coaches that were able to put their arms around me and uh, really be role models and mentors to me. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, I, again, like I said, I would like to, you know, say and tell everyone that I was, you know, more mature or whatever it may be. But unfortunately, it was just one of those deals where, you know, I was so young that, you know, a lot of ways I, I felt victimized. Wow. And that's, 
you know, unfortunately that's not the, the right way to go about things. And until I changed that mentality is really kind of when I started hitting my stride. Got you. Wow. Coach, that's big time to, you know, the admission, uh, the, the self-awareness to know that that's the, the route you took and you had the wherewithal to, to kind of get through that and navigate through that. It's big time. So coach who directly, you know, you talked about mentors and coaches. Is there anybody who directly influenced you to go into the coaching perfection? Yeah, I don't know if there was any one individual. Uh, the one thing I was really fortunate with was, you know, my dad got sick and I, I wanted to stay close to home. And uh, Virginia Commonwealth University was right down the road. Yeah. And a couple of years in, I, I just kind of blindly, uh, just because of you know, some friends on the team, uh, Joey Rodriguez was a good friend of mine. Eric yeah. Manor was a good friend of mine. Larry Sanders wow. was a good friend of mine. And, and those guys had kind of recommended to me that I come out and, and help the team out. And uh, I kind of blindly jumped in and I was so fortunate. And I know it sounds cliche, you know, when coaches say, when I'm, I've got really lucky. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I really got lucky. Yeah. Uh, Shaka Smart was hired uh, and he brought uh, unbelievable staff. Mike Rhodes, uh, Will Wade, Mike Jones, Kyle Getter was the ops guy. Wow. Uh, Mike Pegues, who's now at Louisville. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, if you think about it, Shaka Smart's now at Texas. Mike Rhodes now the head coach at VCU. Will yeah. Wade's at LSU. Mike Jones is the head coach at Radford. Kyle yeah. Getter's at UVA. Uh, Mike Pegues, like I said, is at yeah. And it, I mean, that's an all-star staff, and uh, those guys were—they didn't know it, but every move that they made, uh, everything that they did, how they operated on a day-to-day basis, I really took in and I learned from them every day. And like I said, I, I couldn't be more lucky and more fortunate because I could have gone anywhere in the country. Yeah. Uh, our first year, uh, we ended up winning the CBI national championship. And then our second year, uh, coach Smart's second year, uh, he, you know, he led the team to a final four. Yeah. And, Again, when I say I'm the luckiest guy, in, you know, in, in the coaching business, to be a student manager and, and kind of blindly jump in with two feet and to go to a Final Four, I mean, it just, you know, it's you, you can't you can't even dream of that stuff. No, definitely can't. And you know, it was one of those things, like you said, uh, it's it's not necessarily luck. It's it's uh, you know, you talked about your friends kind of uh, getting you to do that and maybe pressuring you a little bit to do it, man, those are the best kind of friends to have in the world, man. Like it's just this sense of, uh, family, like they're taking care of you, whether you knew it or not, they, maybe they sensed something great was about to happen. Maybe they didn't, but man, what a great experience altogether. You really can't ever, uh, replicate that. You hope to, but for it to be your first experience with the at the college level with the, with the, with the program, that's, that's invaluable coaching. And, and that's great. So coach, uh, kind of run down for me what you learned while you were at Nevada, uh, being under coach Musselman. Well, I learned so many things at Nevada with coach Muss. You know, the biggest thing I think was just his competitiveness and his, uh, desire to get better every day. Uh, you know, every day he came home, uh, or before he left the office, he would and go home. He would print out 20 to 30 pages of uh, motivation, leadership articles on whatever, you name it. Uh, a lot of it wasn't even 
in the realm of basketball. Um, but he just, he printed it out and every morning, uh, for, uh, two hours he would work out. And while he was working out, he would read those articles and highlight and make notes. And it might be something as simple as a quote that he liked that a, a coach used or a teaching technique or uh, motivation. And he would apply that to the team and present it at some point. Uh, we had a massive file called the Nevada way that he would kind of compile everything. And then we'd go back through throughout the season and, and take little things from that book. And it might be something for a player. It might be something for the team. It might be a pregame uh, talk or speech. Um, again, like I said, it could be a teaching tool or a phrase that someone used. And uh, that was every day. And I think the biggest thing for me was just seeing his, you know, how disciplined and how habitual he was as a human being. And uh, I mentioned it before, but uh, when we were off air, but, you know, it's so funny because he was so habitual and so disciplined with his approach that I kind of joked with him one day and just asked him, hey, when was the last time that you didn't do your routine? And it was kind of funny because he couldn't really explain to me when the last time he couldn't, you know, he, he, he couldn't remember like when he, when he yeah. didn't do his routine. And there was a time he, he kind of was like, you know, there's a time in Greece, he was teaching an international clinic or he was hired to go over there and, and coach a team. And he said he was with his sons and he thought about that morning, not going, uh, but he ended up taking his sons to the gym and, and still did his routine. Um, so wow. that was, you know, the biggest thing was just his, his, competitive fire and, and wanting to get better every day and um, just how routine and disciplined he was. And, you know, the other thing too was, I think the other, the other big thing that I learned was, you know, he really treated it like a NBA front office and he would tell us that all the time. So every meeting, every time we got together as a staff, everyone was there. And yeah. I thought that was for me so critical to, to my development because just by a simulation, you're learning about everything that goes into a college program. So you're learning about scheduling, you know, Anthony Ruta handled our scheduling. So we're in meetings and that gets brought up and you're involved and you have input on scheduling. Uh, when wow. recruiting gets brought up, whether it's Dave Rice, Ron Dupree, uh, Gus Arginal, Brandon Dunson, Johnny Jones, you know, when, when you're involved in a recruiting meeting and that gets brought up and we start discussing the roster or discussing certain players, you know, you have input or you learn from just being in the room and hearing those guys talk about those things. And, you know, one of the things with Moss was, and, and he was kind of at the forefront of it with, uh, with guys like Fred Hoiberg was the transfer market. And, yeah. you know, he was so good at, you know, and it was really cool to be in those meetings again and, and, and see how he went about recruiting and how he evaluated players and um, just his ability to watch film and look at the analytics because he was huge on, on analytics and see, okay, will this guy fit into what we want to do? Uh, will this guy fit into our offensive or defensive philosophy? And everyone had input and it was really cool to kind of learn about that and see it and be a part of it. And again, you learn just by being assimilated in the program. Um, and you know, so I guess the, the two biggest things were number one, the competitive fire that he had every day and being, you know, 
being present every day, not taking a day off. And then two, just, you know, just being involved in all those conversations and meetings and uh, sitting down as a staff and, and you just learn uh, by being in those environments. And again, by just a simulation. So yeah, what you're talking about there, coach is like, I think a program everybody wants to be, you know, a part of from the standpoint of you're not just standing around and uh, feeling like, what am I doing here? You feel like I actually have a voice and I will be heard. Uh, you talk about the competitive fire and being involved. Those are two really good ingredients for uh, leadership. And it, it, for all of us to kind of learn from is like, if we're head coaches or we have anything that we're uh, taking charge of, is let everybody who's involved uh, participate. Uh, give people autonomy where you can give them autonomy uh, to where you trust them, give them that. And so I, I just think that's a great, great points of emphasis on how to manage and run a program. And then, of course, you talk about analytics. Some people would feel like, well, you know, analytics has a place in the game now. Uh, but I think it always had a place. And I think Coach probably was a little bit ahead of that curve because he knows whether the analytics play out right or not, I can still go back and fix up some things that maybe the analytics fooled me on. <laughs> and uh, and that's, that's, that's great. That's great to be that kind of uh, – uh, a leader to know that hey maybe maybe this was kind of misleading but you know what at the end of the day it's still about the jimmies and joes and we're going to get these guys right so uh great stuff coach so now where you're at there at texas southern uh and coach johnny jones staff what do you feel like you bring to the table well i think you know the biggest thing for me is I don't know how much I can really say I'll bring to the table. I know the qualities that I have as a, as a human being, you know, just my work ethic, uh, blue collar mentality, uh, just my passion to get better every day and improve, uh, you know, the program and, and the situation that I'm in and do the best job that I can for whoever I'm working for. And I'm extremely loyal. Uh, so, you know, I think those are the biggest things. Um, I think for, you know, the, the great situation that I'm in is I get to walk into a program for a guy like Johnny Jones, who, you know, Johnny was at uh, uh, Nevada with us for one year. And I got to see, you know, the biggest thing, you know, going back to the, what we had talked about is just being around those recruiting meetings and seeing the kind of relationships that coach Jones built. And they weren't just, you know, recruiting or, you know, his relationships with the staff or his peers or whoever it might be, it was everything. Um, his relationships with friends or people in the administration or the community, uh, church, you know, his religion, uh, he was big into that, you know, and just, just being around that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I just learned so much, uh, again, just by being a simulator with that. And I built a relationship with coach Jones. So, you know, he comes here and he builds this culture, uh, and I don't know if, you know, like I, I'll come in and I'll have a lot of suggestions. I don't know if they'll be heard, yeah. but uh, I have a great situation because now I get to walk in. Um, I've already seen the kind of man. I've already seen the relationships that he's been able to build and how he operates on a day-to-day. -day. And, they, you know, he comes here in his first year. He breaks the school record for wins. He, yeah. you know, he beats Texas A&M. He beats Baylor. He beats Oregon on the road. 
And now I get to come here and, and I'm fortunate enough to just try to continue to build upon his formula and his culture. And again, I had that opportunity to see how he kind of went about things uh, at Nevada and how he kind of operated. And again, too, I mean, he's been the head coach that, I mean, he has 319 career wins. So uh, being at, right, yeah. uh, he, he was the interim coach at Memphis. He was uh, head coach at North Texas. He was the head coach at LSU. Uh, I mean, he's been in coaching longer than I've been alive. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I just hope that some of the qualities that I can, um, you know, some of my personal qualities, like I said, work ethic, uh, my desire to get better and improve and uh, being organized. I just hope I can just continue to do a great job pushing forward the, the culture and the formula that he has already put in place here. I think I think a culture like his coach is such that he's going after the right guys to help him out and he can plug you in where he knows you'll succeed. It uh, doesn't strike me like a guy who's going to set you up for failure. And the success that you guys have already had, had last season and are going to continue to have, I think that just speaks that, you know, he brings people in so that he can build upon those successes. So, yeah, great coach, a lot of experience and a lot of know-how. I've heard nothing but good things about him, and, I, and I'm sure uh, this upcoming season is going to be one, uh, one for the books again. So, Coach, how important – you talk about every day we're in practices, we're in workouts, and we're talking and we're talking, and we're, we're, we're saying things to players and we're hoping that they're retaining the information and applying the knowledge and doing everything that they can, not to make us happy, but to really uh, follow the keys here again to success that we're giving them. But when we say things like, you know, or, or to the effect of, to, to have character, to walk walk the way we want to be perceived, uh, live the right way, do all these great things. How important are the actions behind it? Because a lot of times we talk the talk, but do we walk the walk? Uh, I, I really think that's something that here again young guys are paying attention to. How important is that to you? I think it's huge. Um, you know, the big thing I think is is, is we're a society built on words and uh, not actions. Yeah. Um, and I think as coaches, we don't realize the influence or the power or significance that we have on the people around us, whether it be your own staff, whether it be your peers or colleagues in the business or your own players. And I think, you know, unfortunately, um, not just coaches, but as people, it's just, you know, it's again, like, it's like the cliche that actions speak louder than words. And we're a society that is built on words. Um, we have a, a tremendous influence around the people, um, the people around us. And again, I know it sounds extremely cliche, but actions do speak louder than words. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, I was actually just having, a, a, I was just texting with uh, coach Shaka smart at, at, uh, at university of Texas. And I just, I just sent him a note saying, Hey, I'd be, I'd be in Austin this weekend. And, um, you know, he was asking me about how I was doing and, and asking where I was at. And I said, you know, I coach Johnny Jones had hired me at Texas Southern. And, uh, at the end of it, I just said, hey, I just want to thank you so much, uh, for being a mentor and, and all of the lessons that I learned from you, not even by him sitting down and having to, uh, tell me, uh, or teach me certain lessons just by following 
what he was doing on a day to day and just watching how he operated and how he handled his business or how he handled his, his team. And I just saw, you know, things done the right way. And I saw so many uh, things in a program uh, done the right way or uh, as a man done the right way. And I, I've been so fortunate. You know, we talked about our, you know, Johnny Jones. He's been a mentor of mine. We've talked about Kevin Sutton before. And just following those guys and seeing how they operate on a day to day, you know, you learn by, I think, what you see and you almost want to emulate that. Um, and so it's, I think your words, if you can back them up by actions, are so important because it's one thing if you say something, but if you can follow it up with an action, um, I think it gives you a lot of, uh, it just shows your truths. You know, it shows your foundation as a person. Um, and there's a great quote that, you know, I, I, I just read the other day and I love it's, you know, be great in act as you are in thought. It's by Shakespeare, and I think that's so important. And he goes on to say, if to do were as easy as to know what we are good to do, chapels have been churches and poor men's cottages be palaces. And so I think it's just, you know, we, you know, we say so much in life, but, you know, or we say as a society, hey, I want to lose weight or, hey, I want to get better at time management or, hey, I want to do this or, hey, I want to do that. I mean, New Year's resolutions every year, there's millions set and millions that fail. And I just... You know, I, as a as a person, I think your path through life and your path through your career is going to be defined from not just what you say, but also how you follow up what you say with your actions. You know, you bring up, that's a great point. Uh, when you're talking about what people say they're going to do, it kind of hits on a, a book that I've just picked up and getting into now, Raise Your Game by Alan Stein Jr. And, uh, and it's just really important to have success in life. Uh, to really apply that knowledge to get forward, uh, moving forward, I should say, uh, and not just talk about it. So great points, Coach. Uh, So one thing I want to talk about that I think is really important as coaches, as leaders, as mentors, as people who kind of view ourselves as maybe not – we never see ourselves perfect, but we know we have some, some, some tools that we can use in our toolbox and there's uh, best practices always that we can do, we can get to. Uh, but sometimes it, there's, a, there's feedback and then there's criticism. How do you process uh, both of those, both feedback and criticism? I think the, the first thing is your mentality towards it. And I say that because, you know, I mentioned when I was younger that, I went through a period in my life where I felt victimized. I felt like, Oh, why me? Or, uh, you know, the, the world owes me now because I've been through this unbelievable thing with, you know, my father getting sick and having to deal with that. And for me, it was, it was hard because then from that point when I was in that stage or, you know, maturity or growth process that everything that, it could be a good friend or a family member telling me uh, or trying to help guide me in life. I think I struggled with feedback and criticism because it just, you know, I, I had this mentality that I was victimized Yeah. and, you know, and, and so I, I had to really learn some hard truths. I had to really uh, go through some, some tough 
situations and, and trials and tribulations in my life. And it helped shift my paradigm and yeah. helped me get to a place where I feel like now I'm in a, a great situation where feedback and criticism, you know, I'm not, I've talked to you about it before, but I'm a, I'm a person built on feedback and criticism and failure. Um, that all of those experiences that I've been through before, you know, it's really only a failure if you don't learn from it. And to, you know, to take criticism or feedback, take the tone out of it and really try to uh, find the lesson in everything you do. Yeah. Um, or, or everything that, you know, someone may try to help you and, and give you advice or whatever it might be to get better. And, you know, it's part of the, the, that paradigm shift of my thought process going from, you know, dealing with my father and all that to where I am now was just really a lot of humility and knowing that I don't know everything. Yeah. You know, one of our assistant coaches, it's funny, we were talking the other day about a player and would we want to coach that kind of kid? I think it was a recruit that we were, we were kind of going, we were at a, at a camp and he was you know, saying, you know, the problem with that guy is he doesn't know anything, but he thinks he knows everything. <laughs> and yeah. I thought it was so funny because, and he's like, and he even is so funny. He's like, yeah, I should, I should, uh, I should quote that, you know, I should. Be. <laughs> and so we were kind of joking about it and it's, but it's the truth. It's, you know, you, you have to have so much humility to be able to accept and, and, and understand where feedback and criticism is coming from and really try to utilize the, the message to get better. Yeah. Um, and another, you know, another quote that, again, I'm a big quotes and motivation guy. And I try to find something, you know, every day with a quote. And, you know, one of the, one of the ones I just posted was the trouble with most of us is that we would rather be ruined by praise than saved by criticism. Yeah. You know, it's like Very so true. much, so many people in life want to, they want to hear how good they are Yeah. and be patted on the back and everyone gets a trophy rather than getting better and really, you know, bringing to the forefront the things that we need to get better at. And it can be simple, something as simple as, you know, a player, how he guarded a certain pick and roll coverage and how he can get better to a player's mental and how he, you know, I I mean, not, not to get into it, but how he deals with adversity and how he deals with criticism and feedback. Um, You know, it's, that's, you know, the unfortunate thing in, in our, our society and, and especially in our uh, profession with coaching and mentoring is, you know, you have to give a lot of feedback and criticism and then you yourself have to get a lot of feedback and criticism. But I think for me, you know, kind of a long winded answer was number one, for me, it was the mentality of which I received feedback and criticism. I had to really change that and be humble in my approach and then also understand, you know, I don't have all the answers. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, it's just one of those deals where as I go through life, I, I hope to figure it all out by the end of it. But And I know that I won't, and I'm, I'll stay humble in my approach every day, but I don't have all the answers. You know, and that's, a, that's here again, uh, part of self-awareness. Uh, you know, make when you when you receive the feedback or criticism, you make adjustments, and then from there you make a decision 
to either do it or don't, you know, or you, whatever was told to you. If it actually hit home, you take out the tone like we talked about, and then you make a decision to say, hey, maybe I should change that. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I should start doing this. Whatever the case may be, that's life. Life is full of adjustments. Life is a series of decisions. And you learn so much more about yourself in that process. And so I think that's great stuff, Coach. What have you learned about yourself during your coaching career? Oh, man, that's that's a heavy question. Uh, Well, the biggest thing I think was kind of multi-layered was you know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a person that's built on criticism and failures and feedback. And I had to go through my own personal struggles. Uh, and my family had to go through its own personal struggles to get to a place where, again, like I said, it's a continual uh, daily process of improvement. Um, you know, life is a, a daily process, just trying to get 1% better. Yeah, And I think you know, the, the, again, like the biggest thing, not to, not to keep harping on it, but humility is so important. Thankfulness and, and you know, having a passion for what you do yeah. uh, is so important. Relationships are key, not, not just in life, but also in this profession. And, you know, just the, the path that I've been on, the, the people that I've been around and, you know, how I've kind of had to navigate my career, I just... I think the biggest thing is that not only the relationships that I've been able to have come into my life, but also the impact of those relationships and how each person has helped shape or define who I am as a person, my thought process, how I operate on a day to day as a man, how I operate as a coach and, you know, how impactful that has been for me, uh, just being mentored and then also you know, twofold mentoring my players or coaches or, or people in this business. Wow. Coach, we, we come to the point now where we, uh, we ask every guest this question and, and it's so important because everything you're talking about, you know, relationships, how we deal with others, uh, how we process, you know, feedback, uh, all these experiences you've had, you know, personally in your own life, in your professional career, you want to leave a legacy. Whether you like it or not, you can leave one. <laughs> and so I think to myself, we always need to reflect on what are we doing right now to set ourselves up for a really good legacy. So kind of in that reflective mode or, you know, looking forward, what would you want your legacy to be when your career is all said and done? I think the biggest thing for me is that I want my legacy to be bigger than wins and losses. You know, I've been really fortunate to be a part of some really, really good teams. And, and I know I, I said it at the beginning that, you know, I've been really lucky because of the people that I've been around or the teams that I've been a part of because of the success that we've had, you know, with BCU going to a final four or being at Nevada and going to a sweet 16. Yeah. But I think for me, it's, it's a, it's a bit bigger than that in my career. And I just want it to be more about just the impact that I had on people's lives rather than the wins and losses. You know, you know, like John Wooden said, a good coach can change a game and a great coach can change a life. You know, I, 
I really, you know, I mean, we talked about Kevin Sutton and coach Sutton's been a, a mentor of mine and, and he has this living trophies philosophy and, you know, his, his thing is, you know, he, he told me this five, six, seven years ago. I can't even remember the first conversation that we had on the phone was over an hour long and coach Sutton, you know, just, he's full of so much wisdom and knowledge and he tells me about his, his living trophies and how every Sunday he reaches out to five former players or whatever it might be. And, and he says that those former players or whoever it might be, uh, are his living trophies. And, yeah. you know, as coaches, we put up these trophies that we've had as a team with, you know, whether we won a conference championship and, you know, or we put rings in our office, but really the, you know, I guess the biggest impact or legacy you can leave is the people that are left behind you. Yeah. And, you know, and, and then kind of going forward with that, you know, unfortunately I was 20 years old when I lost my dad. And the, the biggest thing for me is, and it's kind of been my, my mantra with everything I do is just make dad proud. And, wow. you know, so everything, you know, that I do is, is for him and, and for his last name. And, you know, his biggest thing was lead from the front, you know, take an active role in, in what we ask others to do. And if you're asking someone to do something to make sure that you've done it before, you know, he was infantry. He joined the military as, as infantry and he wanted to, you know, his soldiers and his brigade to know that everything that he, he's asking of them, he's done before. Um, and, you know, I, I think for me, it's really just kind of having that impact, you know, and, and I've actually learned more about my dad since he's passed than uh, when I was actually with him, which is, it's a crazy yeah, no, it's uh, backwards way of, yeah, of looking at it. But his, his legacy, I've learned more about him through his legacy than when I was actually with him every day, which is, wow. it's crazy, but you know, people telling stories about him, yeah, you yeah. know, about the lead from the front uh, mantra that he had, or, you know, at his funeral, uh, we were sitting there and some guy walks in and he was pretty beat up, you know, huge beard, just rough, you know, rough looking guy, uh, you know, mud on his, all over his, his pants and shoes. And I mean, he looked like he had just come from working a 24 hour day uh, on a railroad track or something like that. And so we, we thought he was lost. And so my mom actually went up to him and said, Hey, can I help you? You know, we're at, this is a service for my husband. And, you know, he actually had said like, yeah, I, I served under your dad, uh, in desert storm. Wow. And so we, we start, yeah, we start talking to the guy and, you know, he, he says, you know, your dad was the best leader that, you know, I'd ever been around. And, uh, and it's just stuff like that, that, you know, you, and then you start hearing little things and, and, you know, that's, and so, you know, I, I guess I'm hopeful that when my day comes that I have that same sort of impact, uh, and legacy that people can look back upon, uh, you know, and, and retell stories or, you know, retell certain things that I did or how I acted or how I operated as a man. Yeah. Um, and then also that those foundation and beliefs that I have as a human being, that the people that I'm around or the people that I have the chance to coach or mentor, that they carry those things on yeah. um, through life. And I don't know. That's just, I know it's a, a long winded no, answer. No. It's, it's, 
that's big, good. you know, thing in the legacy. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a big question. You know, and, and that's why. Yeah. And it, I was actually talking to coach Jones the other day in the office, he was getting ready to do a speech. And I think as a coach, it's so funny, uh, to look at it this way, but he was doing a speech for a hospital. His brother is a, um, is, uh, a minister and works in a hospital. And, and, uh, so he asked coach Jones to, to come in and, and talk to him. And Johnny was telling me about, you know, his, he has a kind of a nugget that he likes to say in speeches. And he says, do you know the definition of a coach? And so I'm, thinking like every young coach or any coach really, you know, well, it's someone who coaches a team or coaches a, a group or a unit. And, you know, and so he goes, no, actually the definition when coach, the word coach got brought up was in the 15th century, it was used as a carriage to take people of importance to a destination. Yeah. And so I'm kind of, I'm like wow. lost at the time. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I get it. How does that get to now where we're at now? And, and he goes, well, the people of importance are now your players or the people that are around you. Yeah. And I just thought that was so powerful. Yeah. You no, know? And so as great. a coach, I just hope I leave that kind of legacy when it's all said and done. That's big time, coach. I appreciate you sharing that with us. That is phenomenal uh, background and history there and just how it made how you tied it in good stuff coach i i hear again i thank you for your time i really appreciate appreciate you being on uh i, I want to wish you long life and success coach and uh, and i know you're making your dad proud i know that and i know you're going to continue to so i uh, thank you for your time and i appreciate you being on yeah mike i appreciate it and i've said it before but you know, thank you for everything that you do and thank you for, you know, starting this podcast and we've kind of shared some, some, you know, side notes and tidbits off air, but I think you're, you're doing everything for the right reasons. And, um, I just, I can't applaud you enough and I'm so humbled by you having me on for the, for the show. And hopefully, you know, we've talked about some of the guys that you've had on before and after me. And I just, I hope I'm half of, of what those guys are and, and uh, I'll continue to be an avid listener. And I just, I can't thank you enough. Coach, appreciate your time, man. Thank you for listening to the Creative Coaching Podcast. You can find us at iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, and you can even follow us on Twitter at Creative Coach 47. Thank you.